Hi everyone, I'm Jonathan Corrie, co-founder and CEO of Precursive. Welcome along to the Precursive Perspective, our podcast where we sit down with some of the leading minds across customer success and professional services. In each episode, I speak with people involved in scaling companies of all sizes, from hyper-growth startups to mid-market SaaS, all the way through to enterprise technology and communications companies, as well as, of course, members of the investment and VC community now. And we explore how the best companies succeed in this continually evolving services delivery ecosystem with uh, special guests also including my two dogs Cosmo and Ace, uh, my kids Frank and Artie, Frank now famous for pulling his tooth out live on one of the shows. Uh, now before we get into today's episode, in case you didn't know, spoiler alert, Precursive is the leading services delivery cloud for Salesforce. We combine award-winning task and resource management with easy-to-use professional services automation. Uh, built on the Force.com platform, uh, we're 100% Salesforce Lightning native, which means you can better align your sales and delivery teams, automate project admin so that your staff get time back to focus on driving outcomes and value for your customers. We believe very deeply that there is a direct correlation between faster time to value and retention. So bridging that gap between sales and success is priority one for Precursive. So let's get into today's episode. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to our latest episode of the Precursive podcast with me, Jonathan Corrie, your resident radio DJ and host of the uh, omnipresent best show in the world of customer success. Uh, it's a late Friday night in London. I am David with uh, David Sakamoto is the VP of customer success at GitLab. How are you, David? I'm doing well. Thank you. Thank you, Jonathan. I appreciate the opportunity to uh, connect with your listeners. Yeah, no, absolutely. You are, I'll, I'll let you in a little secret. You are the last thing that I have to do before my holiday next week. Uh, first holiday in a couple of years. So it'll be a beer and then this horrible feeling of what I whether I know exactly what forms I need to fill out before I get on a plane again. Well, you're not setting me up for a success, Jonathan. <laughs> last thing between your vacation. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. All this, right. Well, hey, well, it's great to see you. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Have a exactly, good one. Exactly. Well, look, I'm really excited to have you join because I think your your blend of experience, both in the in, in the in your current role, but also in the industry across customer success services operations uh, at the mix of businesses you've been involved in is 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 really quite something so for those that don't know you but maybe you'd give a little bit of a, a background to yourself and and things that you've done in the past and then the current the current gig at, uh, at GitLab. yeah and I tell the story of a lot I was really lucky for customer success because I've just I kind of wandered through my career let me age myself with this, like Kung Fu. If you remember the old David TV Carradine. show, Kung yes. Fu, David Carradine. Yeah, yeah. And I just followed things that I enjoyed. So I, you know, did project management. And how do you bring kind of disparate groups together to drive a drive to goals? Yeah, I, I led uh, services in a in a startup, doing you know leading you know custom e commerce development. And then I did uh, I moved into an operations role and. Uh, I led kind of all customer, everything customer at another startup. Then I moved to Cisco and led operations. And as part of that journey, I ended up moving and led a large 350 person engineering team. Yeah. And so uh, from from there, you know, I you know did service and stuff. So I had this kind of weird collection of of program management and services and operations. Yep. yep. 
And uh, I, I even in engineering, and I even remember somebody said like in an interview, someone's like, what are you? Because <laughs> they didn't know what it is. And luckily customer success came along. And I think it's really helpful to have a lot of these different experiences, especially if you think about customer success in a company-wide motion. Yeah. So uh, so I've been um, happy to kind of bring kind of, you know, the, the skill set of building in a small startup, but also understanding how to scale at great companies like Cisco. Yeah, I, I, I'm, it's very, so we've had a lot of now the Cisco alumni on there and, and I keep asking, I keep saying to people, oh, do you know so-and-so? And everyone sort of turns around and goes, there was quite a lot of people there, but we had Himanshu Kapoor, who's now at Google, uh, Chris, uh, I met a guy, Chris Doel, uh, spoke very highly of, of the CS culture there. Uh, Nate Bitting, who's now at Alteryx, was was also at Cisco. So it seems like it was a fantastic place for customer success and talent. So keen to hear yeah. some of your experiences there. Um, but um, I, I think you, you've seen the world of, of, of this post-sale motion evolve, right, with your mix of backgrounds. And, and, you know, spoiler alert, people, we, we, we do prepare for this show. So I'm, I'm, I'm interested to hear. And I've already started stealing one of your terms, David, internally. So um, how, how would you frame how, the, the changes that you've seen and how things have evolved? Awesome. So if you, if you maybe know post-sale, the, the term post-sales makes me cringe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, yeah, because, you know, it's like, <laughs> that very much represents the kind of the old world, like you sell it, you you got your money and you just leave and you're you're good. Go, hey, go deal the post-sale stuff and go get a, a, a support renewal. And now, you know, it's, it's the first transaction and then it's, you know, how do we drive, you know, the growth stage? Um, I still haven't found a perfect word, but growth stage is probably the best one that comes to yeah. mind. But, like you know, it, I think it really reflects the transition from that perpetual sale where you you sell software, the customer now owns it, it's their asset, and you can probably sell them more. You can do that cross-sell and upsell, but from the, from the solution provider, they're done. They got their money, they have most of it, they get support renewals, but there, there was no need, you know, and you have kind of CSAT-based metrics, which is just fundamentally different than what we're doing now in customer success. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think that this, the, the concept of ownership is really one of those things that kind of underlies it. Right. Um, but I mean, given, given the changing demands now that you've got in what I would describe as more of the modern SaaS economy. Right. So like you said, yeah. you had a situation where, you know, you had this, you know, long build up sell cycles of six, nine, 12, whatever, whatever it was. And then you do the deal and it's a, it, they own it. It's, or it's five, 10 years or whatever it is. Right. And, and now we're in this world of, you know, repetition. Yeah. And, oh. and, but also just this ease of like, if I don't like it, I can just take it and go down the street and That's right. do business elsewhere. So so in this world, given sort of the changing customer demands, right, which is basically customers are a lot more educated. They can do a lot of that research on their own. Um, if you don't say post-sale, I'm not sure if you say pre-sale, but pre-growth sale, for example. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're a lot more educated, which means when you do a deal with a new client, they're very excited to get started and they want to see a return on that investment much more quickly, I think, than in the past. And you yep. layer into that kind of consumerization of IT. So people are much used to apps that you can just download and get started with. Right. How do you see the implications of that dynamic impacting the world of customer success? Yeah, I know we didn't say it, it created the world of customer success to a certain point. Um, well, you could say that CSAT-based 
success was a version of it. And yep. we've gone through a couple of, you know, you can call it customer success version 2.0. Uh, yep. Because rather than that land and leave motion, now we're in a land, adopt, expand, renew, you know, expand, renew um, type of motion with customers in the sense that, and I, and I think it's great for customers. I think right. it's the right motion because it really, it, it from their perspective, they have the expectation like, no, you have to now deliver value, you know, post that initial transaction. You have to deliver, you know, solve my business, my business goals or my business outcomes. Otherwise, as like you said, I can go get something else. Like yep. I just, I switched service. It's a service, you know? And so from the solution provider's perspective, you know, like we, we've learned in the industry, like, oh, wow, well, we, we really need to focus on this. We can't, you know, sit and kind of deploy this requirement, deploy it and take half of an annual contract to deploy because that's a ton of value the customer didn't get. So it starts to emphasize a lot of that mm-hmm. time to value, driving yep. that outcomes, Yep. Um, and really building a motion that you're that's that's in across you have to really be thoughtful across the whole journey to, to ensure you're delivering that continuous value. And ultimately, what it means is you, you have to earn that right for that business at every cycle, whether it's monthly or annually or you know multi year. Yeah. And so I think what we're seeing is that you know that version one zero customer success. Hey, I got a great CSAT to. Yep. You know, probably yep. a couple of iterations of version two where we now shift to, hey, we need to have adoption. And now I think the modern view is, yeah, adoption's great. It's a good leading indicator, but ultimately customer success needs to be hard tied to, you know, commercial results like net retention. Yeah, it's it, it's it's almost in a way that it could be really, you know, it, it's quite it, for the people that work in it, it's quite mentally exhausting, right, in a way, because you are you know you are a lot of places you know there's this sort of almost obsessive nature over you know delivering value and like and in some and in all all the flip side of that in some organizations is they're really not quite sure what the value is that they provide right in 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 a weird way um i i've talked i i talked to somebody today and they said you know we've got to 350 million ar and sometimes we're not quite sure how and i was like that's an amazing statement to to make um (laughs) But this, you know, you talked about this, the, the, the time to value piece. It, it, I, I guess you've also, though, seen, though, particularly in, in your area now, that the needs of the customer can evolve year to year, right? So as you say, there's this perpetual need to re-engage and reevaluate or, or restructure the value that you provide. And it, it, it is it's pretty tiring, right, for people that are involved in it, in a way. Yeah. Well, I am... Um... Maybe I'm a little demented, but I'm, I get quite in, energized and charged by the constant change and the challenges. So, uh, <laughs> you know, maybe that's just a, a mental thing for me. Yeah. But yeah, I think, you know, you have a couple different things. We talked about the, just the natural expectations as you go to SaaS. Yeah. Uh, but I think a couple of things. One, you have to be really thoughtful. What is really value? Yeah. And uh, just at th- that statement alone, it's a t- constant journey to how to really understand value. Because sometimes we'll go, hey, did they use their licenses? That's value. Well, I guess you could say that, you know, the, or I use the product, or I use more of the product. And there's valuable there. But ultimately, how do you get to the point where you really understand and, and operationalize and measure? I drove a business outcome. I solved your problem. Mm. So I think that's a constant learning process, you know, and the maturity of the company starts from 
you know, do I understand big customers, small customers? Do I understand kind of big, medium, small, whether you kind of call that enterprise, mid-market, SB? And then you start to go, oh, maybe it's verticals. Maybe it's different um, types of classifications of how you segment those. So that's, you know, that understanding the customer's one. Yeah. So great, you've done that. But now you need to know as the customer progresses, assume you've earned that right to continue that relationship, their needs will constantly change and they should. And so beyond like, oh, we figured out now you got to go, okay, it's going to continually, continually change. So, uh, you know, I think ultimately it's, it's that ex- exciting part, the challenge around constantly using, and I, I, we talked about a little Kaizen attitude yep. of continuous improvement and just constantly looking yep. at how do you get better and how do you get more specific and scale, yep. um, whether it's like you're, you're using like customer success managers or digital or hybrid or you know, all of the tools to figure out to best serve your customer in order to them to get the value, the right experience, and ultimately their outcome. So um, I think it's a really exciting place to be. Um, uh, a, a, but, uh, a glutton for challenge. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, I yeah like there it. we go. That's a good way to connect the dots. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like it. I like it. I mean, there's there's a bit of a disconnect, though, between like ownership and accountability in in CS, and I talked about this with Rav Delawal, who you who you you know as well. But in your role at Cisco, and I was I was doing my research, you managed a book of circa two billion dollars, and then three hundred fifty million in expansion. So it's a pretty hefty numbers. Yeah. And in many CS organizations, you know that customer success can own the customer, but they're not not accountable for the revenue, which yeah. I I find strange. Uh, yeah. But I'm, I'm curious to know your your thoughts on on that. Yeah, and I think um, well, one there's you, you tapped on you're, you're tapping on two of my cringe. Like when people say own the customer, like right. I, to some extent, I'm like the, the company owns the customer, and really, yeah. it's about yeah. bringing on the right person at the right time or the right resource at the right time, according to where they are in the journey. And so, it's I really view this role as an orchestration role of bringing across the right value to the different, um, uh, to the the customer at the right time. But as it relates to the question around accountability, there's a big debate. And, you know, I, there's, I, I, you see a couple different variants of that one. At Cisco, we had, you know, customer success qualified leads. So it was really, we were measuring our we had managed a book of business. We managed, you know, churn and contraction. And, but, you know, ultimately we were kind of our value add was, Hey, we're going to identify qualified leads and measure their conversion. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, at GitLab, we have a, a similar version where we, you know, we are gold by net retention, but we're not necessarily we're like an overlay. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I think there's, um, you know, you, you also see worlds where there's a complete split. Right. You have a, a sales team, they do new logos, and then you have a customer success team that kind of owns and renewals in which we're, we're actually built looking to exploring the process of building out renewals within CS now. Um, there's lots of different ways to do that. But one way where you see that ownership is you actually have the CS team. They actually own you know, a, that number. And I think they sometimes they have a process where they'll pass back larger deals. But um, you know, I've always been in a thing where it's a, it's a partnership. Yep. And, it, you know, to me, to make that successful, it's really how well are you integrated from both a mindset around the go-to-market strategy with the sales peers and the culture around that. And, 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 and actually also sales leaders that really understand and appreciate the value that you bring. And it's, I, I view it a lot as a team sport. And so I haven't seen it as a 
challenge for me or our teams in the past around like not being native quota owners of of the business in the sense that we we look at it as a team sport. Okay, so no no post sale, no 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 owning. Um, yeah, <laughs> how do you? Is it what? What do you? What do you talk about? Do you talk about like the, like kind of the primary relationship with the client? Then is that is that, or the like? Yeah, we do. Yeah, it's it's, it's kind of there's you know who's the primary interface right at the okay. time. Yeah, yeah. So that it. does shift, but then there's you know there's lots of you know depending on the situation of the customer that you know may shift if there's yeah you know if we're driving a certain motion and there's a certain type of up here then other. You know, you may bring in our solution architect team that will now kind of start to take lead on that that yeah. part. Yeah. Um, so you're, there is definitely a primary interface that you want to maintain for that customer experience. Yeah. And that person needs to, to orchestrate. But, you know, that primary interface may change at certain points in the journey. Like if you're going, hey, we're going to move to a renewal or something yeah. like that. Or, you know, it, but again, it's probably more the person's on point for that specific part of the journey, not necessarily point on the account. So yeah, yeah. I try not to get too wrapped around like ownership as much as, okay, here's who owns which part of the process. Like the process yeah. is open to the owner. Yeah. Some, sometimes though, it's just difficult to define or get agreement. You know, if you've got an account exec, a sales guy and a CSM and a services person and a solution architect, and you're with a customer, let's say it's an existing customer and you're yeah. in a situation where it's like, what what situation are we actually in here, guys? Is this because it because there's defined moments like a renewal, right? But you might have some expansion. You're like, actually, is this a new deal? Is this actually it's a renewal, but they're evaluating us against someone else, and therefore it's a sales renewal. And so, like defining what the moment is to be like, oh, okay, yeah. then you have primacy. That's actually in a lot of at least in my experience is the bit where it's a bit gray because at a senior level we have a bit more clarity but when you're in the trenches in the moment it's a little bit more uh, gray yeah totally and there's you know there's always gonna be gray areas because in yeah. some sense we're here to serve the customer and yeah. Um, yeah. you know at GitLab we are you know big believers in writing it down so we're you know we say a lot of times handbook first yeah and you know document our process and anybody's interested that's listening yeah. Yeah, you can look at all of our processes. They're totally transparent to the public, and yeah. literally everything across the entire company, with a few exceptions like financial data or security-related yeah. stuff. But literally, yeah. you can look at it. And so, what, what we find helpful there is we do define okay if it's this kind of sale, new logo, you have a sales rep and a solution architect that are driving that. If yeah. it's a growth opportunity. Yeah, you know, it's the sales rep in the in our TAM or customer success manager that's driving yeah. it. But certain yeah. types of growth opportunities require the, the solution yeah. architect. And so we we you know look to make sure that that's clarified. Yeah. And the one yeah. thing I you know ultimately the measure is if it's clear internally, mm-hmm. it'll be clear to the customer. Right? Yeah. As soon as you're not clear internally, and you're like, and all of a sudden the customer's not having the right experience and you know when in doubt you know lean in and fill in and maybe you have a you know a few extra people but that's that's why we call it the account team and you know you also have things where the tam's gone or the solution architect's gone so the team will flex and support each other so yeah, there's yeah. a team aspect of that um and ultimately you just want to make sure it's you know ultimately arced around the customer are we yeah. getting the right person for the right thing at the right point in the journey and giving them a seamless experience as maybe different personas will be um engaging 
Yeah. And you, you've touched upon there your, your, your company and its culture, which is, I think, um, quite, from my perspective, looking in quite unique because of its openness. I mean, the, the ideas of visions and missions being um, quite public and being the driving force of businesses, some done in, in very much the correct way, others maybe it's a little bit for show, but, but that's just the way of the world. I'm really curious to know how like the, the, the mission and the values shape your ways of working and the impact that it's had on your staff and, and your customers. Yeah, absolutely. And it's the values of GitLab are one of the, or are my favorite thing about being here and being a team member at GitLab. Yeah. And it's interesting. A lot of times when new team members come, we have these three questions, you know, where'd you come from? Yeah. Why'd you come to GitLab? And what do you like to do? And why'd you come to GitLab? I have to say like 80, 90% of the people like we'll say the, because of the values. Yeah. And yeah. so, you know, so it's credit, it's collaboration, results, efficiency, yeah. diversity, inclusion, uh, iteration, transparency. And yeah. we actually use that. It ultimately shapes, you know, how I engage my team, how I lead, how we work with customers, how we work with each other. Um, but I'll pick, you know, transparency is probably the one that's probably most visible, obviously, because it's transparent. So like our hand. <laughs> yeah. um, and, you know, we when we uh, work with our customers or our team members, it's a it's a guiding force for us. And, it, and I think the value is it really helps build trust. Mm -hmm. It invites the collaboration because you can, everybody has access to it. Uh, it ultimately leads for better solutions because some, you know, you have access and, it, you know, we have issues where a customer actually may contr contribute. Like we have a product issue and customers will actually chime in on the open issue and say, oh, the, here's my specific use case. Yeah. And ultimately it's more inclusive. And so, you know, it's interesting. I always have these stories where, you know, I always think of the scenario where you have a you have a product issue. Right? Yeah, it gets around. We're getting around. We're getting, what's going to happen? Okay, that's yeah. and then at the end of the meeting, you sit around and go, "Okay, what are we going to tell the customer?" Customer, right? At GitLab, we don't do that. Yeah, we just say, "Okay, here's the situation. Here's a rat. Here's what we know. Here's what we don't know. Yeah, here's our next step." And you know, against the benefits that I mentioned before. You know, when I first started, I was like, whoa, are you sure? Are we sure we want to tell them this? But then I uh, very quickly learned it just gives us that extra relationship because they know we're going to be totally transparent with them. We're going to tell them the issue. We're going to actually show them. They can actually go in and actually see our product issue and all the details. They can see who's working on it. And um, it, it's really given us an advantage from a relationship and it's helped become part of our brand that when you work with us, we will be transparent and you know, yeah. you know, what's going on. Yeah. Yeah. I, I had it is interesting. I was kind of thinking about this earlier in the day and I had, an, I had a meeting with a customer and they were like, yeah, this, you know, this, uh, you know, they were rolling out one of our products and they were like, there was this, there was this issue. And they, they basically that we had someone working on it in our team and your team didn't communicate well enough. The lady, the, the lady on the, 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 the work didn't communicate well. well well enough um and and i was like i said okay that's interesting and i said Let, i'm gonna go, go back and have a look and i said and i said you know what she was probably overworked and i said because i've got, literally gone into our into precursive and i can see how many pieces of work she was doing at that time because mm -hmm. frankly speaking we had capacity issues at that point in time she was working on too much and i think your communications would have suffered um and and i'm and i'm sorry for that and she wouldn't want that and 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 you know what 
because she was in your position sort of ahead of CS, she was like, you know, you know what, that's very real, right? Like we've all been in that situation. So hearing that is way better yeah. than yeah, but, yeah, but, or, you know, trying to deflect. So I, I, I definitely buy into that. And I think it would, I would imagine that relaxes staff in a way, right? Because you can just be a lot more human and, and, and normal because I think, you know, high performing people and I'm, I'm sure you attract a lot of them in your in your business they put a lot of pressure on themselves right yep. uh, and and the role of I think great managers and great leaders is to relieve that pressure so how how did you approach that in the pandemic in your organization in this kind of new remote reality what what, what did you guys do I'm curious because we're kind of still in the tail end of it <laughs> yeah in, in it's yes and we're still in the in its it's been it's been hard. I mean, it's been hard on everybody. And yeah. you know, we one thing we're going to talk about that GitLab's reasonably well known for is we're all remote. So we we don't have offices. Yeah, our, off, yeah. our office is a post office box, and so really, in the whole but, there's no really wow the whole the we don't whole have we, we don't have a we have uh, I think around fourteen hundred team members right. in over sixty five countries, and we have zero offices. And it was always remote before. Always remote. So this is not a result of COVID. Yeah, this is actually, uh, well, I think at some point our CEO tells a story where when he first hired salespeople, he was told, hey, salespeople won't wear remote. That's just only for you know developers and stuff. And so, oh, okay, well, then I'll, I'll have an office. And he had the office and they kind of showed, showed up and they a little less showed up. And then... Next thing you know, he's like, well, "Why am I spying? Why am I paying for this office?" So, <laughs> I think at one point in time there was an office. So I think technically we right. had had an office at some point, but it was uh, many years, and certainly was not a response to COVID. But yeah, shifting yeah. forward, yeah, you know, it, it's been very tough, and yeah. a lot of times, you know, people get the mis you know, impression around, "Oh, we're just all remote." No, we we, we highly value being in person. Yeah, um, but we highly value the remote and the efficiency and the flexibility and yeah. um, that 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 brings. Um, but but you know we drive, we want to get together. We have a company event where we get the entire company, the entire company together into one place. We call it contribute, and it's yeah. literally there to. There's some enablement, and it's really just there for bonding people to be together. Where there's no work meetings, yeah. it's just there to be connected. Uh, we find lots of other, we have sales kickoff, we have, you know, QBRs, we have sales meetings where we get together. And so, you know, like others, we've been challenged and not have to do that. So, you know, I like to your story before, mm. the humanity, you know, is really important as you work with your customers. And that's a great example, but also as in team members. So, we're, you know, we're definitely looking um, to get people together, you know, in a safe way. Mm -hmm. But some of the things we've done is, you know, we, we just, you know, we realize what people need is just time back. So we, we actually have a friends and family day that we've continued. So we have a one day a month or we have had so far a yep. day a month, just take Friday off. It's go spend time with your friends and family, refresh, you know, yep. recharge. Um, you know, we, we've kind of consciously gone through and removed meetings. Like just, do we need this meeting? Let's just get rid of it. And we feel like we need it. We'll put it back in, but just yep. be ruthless and just, you know, because what happens is just next thing you know, you're just back to back with meetings all day and it's just exhausting and can't be productive. So we've been doing a lot of things around, um, you know, giving people time back, but also trying to find a lot of opportunities for, uh, you know, remote connections, coffee chats and stuff like that. And we've been getting much better. We had to do our SCO remotely mm. and we've been kind of refining it. And it was, it was actually really great. We had 
we brought in a, there's it's DJ graffiti and we have a, and like people are having a lot of fun. So we've, we've been also just been figuring out how to build better connectedness yeah. in our remote practices as well. But, you know, you need to balance it. You need to have that eye to eye, break some bread together, be in the same room. And um, like everybody else, we're looking to have more of that in the coming year. Well, here's a tough, a slightly tougher follow-up question, which is like, I, I totally buy into the the friends and family days and and, and giving people time back and, and we do the same things as precursor, but I'll just be very honest. Some people will turn around and say, you know what, I can't take a day off because I've got too much to do. And it's quite, I've, I have always found, and I've seen that not just in our business, but elsewhere, I just find that quite you know it's illuminating right because it comes from certain people in in certain t- types of teams um dare i say it some of the the non-commercial areas of the organization perhaps like you know sales guys will always take a day off unless they got a deal to close <laughs> no offense but i used to be a sales guy so i know um but um what what do you think about that um, yeah i think there's a there's a piece about well we there's a couple of things one there is a piece of role modeling. So we encourage it. So it's, we make sure it's not just like, Oh, throw that in there. And then, and then you next, thing you know, you see all the leaders kind of working on their, you know, right. stuff. And so, you know, we try to make sure it's role modeled, mm-hmm. you know, taking the day off, Hey, taking, you know, showing everybody, Hey, I'm, I'm taking the day off too. Mm-hmm. Um, we, but we also actually really, sometimes people do need that time. And so we said, Hey, if you can't take that, day off, take another day off, just take it, take time off. So we also want to make sure we provide flexibility for people in, in, in our, our, our uh, a possible policy is you need to take a day off, take a day off. Like yeah. we don't, we're not counting how many days off. Yeah. And I think what's most important is you hear very pervasively within leadership, it's friends and family to go take your day off or, Hey, I, something happens with my, with my children. I need an emergency. Someone's sick. You will a hundred percent hear, you know, my manager, some, yeah. my, my CRO or VP go awesome. Go take the time off. Like it is just, inherently part of our values that yeah you know you need to go you know friends and family are a priority for us so yeah. if you need to go do that go deal with your go go spend the time you need yeah well that's very good friends and family is a very very you know you don't you don't live to uh, live to work is the other way around well listen david i really appreciate you you coming on um it's great to meet you and i think there's a, a number of like learnings in there for folks so you know, if you if you want to look it up, guys, it's Kaizen Mindset, which is looking at performance culture. I think uh, if you're thinking about your customer journey and you've got a, a line down that poster in that workshop room, which says pre-sale, post-sale, I think you might <laughs> want to pass that line out and start thinking about the growth sale and the continuous the continuous customer motion. Uh, I also think that the the eloquence around like the how you think about leaning in and leaning out and the the sort of the handover of the baton below the waterline, right? Where you've got, you know, making sure that it's really well understood internally about the, the not necessarily the ownership, but the responsibility in those That's scenarios right. with the customer, um, because that clarity internally will translate through to with the customer. You know, you, you know, Dave Kellogg, he, he was like, I always like the, the term, hi, my name is Dave and I'm here to boom and being able to like articulate that. And I think yeah, that- yeah. That definitely ties to it. And I think, you know, let's leave it with this idea of customer success being the orchestration uh, of customer value. Uh, so greatly appreciate it. Thank you for coming on, sir, and enjoy your weekend. And I'm going to go and have a beer and start thinking about packing for my Yeah, home. well, I'm, I'm glad we're, we're able to get through this. I really enjoyed the conversation. Hope you have a 
a uh, wonderful trip. And if anybody's interested, you can, again, um, you can look up GitLab's, ha GitLab's handbook and uh, not that we do everything perfectly, but it's all available in case there's something that yeah, you absolutely. Find that we'll put it, we'll put, I guess there's a link we can put that on maybe on the podcast. Yeah, that'd be great. That'd awesome. be fantastic. Brilliant. Excellent. Thanks, Dave. All the best. Thank you, Jonathan. Bye.